This show is not suitable for all viewers. There is coarse language, violent content, and wild shenanigans that do not belong in the ears of babies. So viewer discretion is advised. Hi everyone, my name is Keisha and welcome back to the interview show Confessions of a Game Master where we talk to game masters and dungeon masters from the community about their shames and successes as storytellers of TTRPG games. Today with me is Jason from the Rated RPG Podcast and you can find them at uh, Rated RPG Podcast on Twitter and various other socials. Jason, where can we find you? Well, the, the best place to find us is just our website, ratedrpgpodcast.com. But we are still on Twitter, although, you know, we've got our bags packed, uh, like a lot of people, I think, to leave that space. Uh, you can find us uh, on our website. That's going to be the easiest place. Awesome. And the link for that will be down in the description. And you guys can go support them and support their show through that link. Do it. Support the community. Yeah. That's why you're here. <laughs> <laughs> And also the great content, but also support the community. So if I don't roll good here, then something's wrong today. It is like living in a horror movie. It's like being a, a really low-level monster. Just imagine like a really sweet, cuddly bear that's also a dick. <laughs> Everything can be a hammer if you just believe in yourself. <laughs> I'm going to retire from being an adventurer and become a mafia boss. Not be shamed. <laughs> so tell us about your podcast. Oh, our podcast is five guys. All of us have known each other a pretty long time, uh, about 20 years or so. We're all kind of older guys. Like I'm 48 and the oldest among us is in his fifties. And then the youngest among us is in his thirties. So we've known each other for a fairly long time. Uh, a lot of content creators, uh, like I had a background in radio and then improv comedy. We had an improv group here, still do here in, in Madison, Wisconsin, that many of us are connected to. And we love playing D&D. &D. And we were playing D&D &D back in like 3.5 edition, playing Eberron campaigns and stuff together before we even thought to put anything out. And uh, we decided we would do a Descent into Avernus, and then we would live stream it and turn it into a podcast. And we did that. And that was our entire first season. Like, during the pandemic, that's what we did. And uh, 93 episodes later, we finished Descent into Avernus, and then we started our new thing. So that's our podcast in a nutshell. We are, we are uh, story-driven, narrative-driven. We are less games rules organized kind of we play fifth edition dungeons and dragons but we don't lean too heavy into it and uh and we definitely have a comedic angle we joke around a lot and there are a lot of jokes in the podcast a lot of humorous bits but uh but we're, st we're still playing and we we still do tend to go a little dramatic so far <laughs> love that i love that so much so you guys started during the pandemic i'm surprised i didn't come across you back when i was doing throne of dice I'm not surprised because a lot of people didn't find us <laughs> during this <laughs> pandemic because we're not called Critical Role. Um, but if oh, we were, oh, no. people would have found us. But it was, you know what? It wasn't bad, Keisha, because uh, we got to just kind of stretch our legs and we already have a community of... You should have named yourself Critical Troll. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm betting there's probably somebody already. But we... <laughs> We were able to just learn from our mistakes in season one and uh, and play Descent into Avernus. And we live streamed it 
And then I took the live stream audio and cut the live stream audio up and turned that into a podcast. And so, okay. you know, mistakes were made uh, along the way and we had a ton of rescheduling and eventually we figured, well, now that we've gotten all of our mistakes figured out, we're going to try it again. So that's, that's kind of where we're at now. I, I love that. I've, I feel like, I feel like this is a story I've heard from quite a few people now who started in the pandemic and then came off and then are coming back to it. It's like you you started off hot and heavy thinking you you knew a thing and then you were like, ah, oh, fuck, I don't actually know a thing. And then you have scheduling issues when the pandemic ended and now you're finding your way back. Yeah, it's like, uh, you know, it's like being it's like being a, a really low level monster and like the the players beat you up and you, you run off into the cave and you lick your wounds and then you come back later and guess who learned magic you know <laughs> guess what motherfuckers i learned fireball <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and that's yeah. the only one i'm using from now on yeah everything's a hammer or no what is it if if you're a hammer everything's a nail i don't know anyway that's <laughs> everything's that's a everything's a hammer if you try hard enough yeah everything <laughs> can be a hammer if you just believe in yourself <laughs> Oh no, ADHD decided it was gonna just throw a bunch of different visuals in my brain of like very inappropriate things that can be a hammer. That's totally fine. Uh, also from ADHD camp over here. So hey! uh, whatever tangents you go off on, I'm right there with you. Uh, it went immediately down the dark humor era of comedy and uh, dead babies was the first thing that popped into my head. Yikes. That's yeah. Dark. That's really dark. I was like, no, why? Why did you go there? Well, the human brain is a mystery. We just are just starting to not figure it out. <laughs> we finally decided to give up. That's how I know you're not AI. <laughs> are you sure? <laughs> I'm pretty sure. I don't. Well, there is that AI that is trying to destroy the world, but. That's just an experiment. No, no, it's real now. <laughs> oh, welcome to 2023. <laughs> iRobot is real now. Congrats. <laughs> Siri is coming for us in our sleep. She's using our Roombas to do it. Just got one of those. I just, my, my mother sent me a, me and my wife and my family sent, sent us a check. She said, you need one of these robot vacuum cleaners. No, you don't. No, you don't. They're sending those photos to like people. They're sending photos one. of, but they're sending photos of you and your family to people. I'll put a piece of tape over the camera. Will that, will it not be able to vacuum? It might not be able to yeah. vacuum. <laughs> it might be really funny trying to vacuum. Oh man. Because the there's like, there's like lawsuits happening right now because people's like on the toilet and doing shenanigans is getting sent to like companies and, and police and stuff. I just heard that I, I not to get too far off track here about the podcast world and everything, but I just heard that the, you know, like more and more companies that have, uh, cameras enabled on their devices are, are getting into trouble for that kind of stuff. Like yeah. the people who work for the companies are downloading the images or getting at the images and then like sending them around the office. Yeah. Yeah. That's happening. And people are like, Oh no, my smart device would never do that. I'm like, your smart device is doing that all the time. What are you talking about? And I used to laugh at people who put tape over their cameras on things. I've been and putting now I, tape now I over get my it. stuff. Oh yeah. I, I'm like, 
maybe there's a little boom bit of boomer in me, but like I'm maybe not. My my boomer dad is is still doing. Oh, there's new tech. Let's buy all of it and use it. I'm like, wow, oh, cutting God. edge boomer. I'm like, dad, Damn. I I'm like the last year for millennials. I was 96, so I'm 27 now, and I'm just like I'm okay. so jaded against technology because I grew up with it, and I was like, this thing is sketchy as fuck. <laughs> And I'm Gen X. I'm like smack dab in the middle. 74 was when I was born. So like when I was coming up, there was like, hey, I can plug my keyboard into my computer and make cool sounds that way. (laughs) Wow. Imagine the possibilities. (laughs) Wild. It makes clicky sounds. (laughs) Yeah. Like I can program my computer to change the colors on the screen. It's amazing. Oh, that's what you meant. I was just like. Well, that too. Are you just pressing the buttons and <laughs> that's a cool sound? I remember my, the, one of the friends, my one of my very first friends who lived up the street from me. Like he had all of the cool Nintendo stuff. He had like Robbie the Robot and like all of the peripheral stuff for it. And then uh, he was the first person I knew that had a MIDI, like where he could he you know he would take a break from playing Ultima Two or whatever, and he'd plug in, and I'd be like, oh, that's really great. That's beautiful music, man. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Thank you. This is this is like when people pull out their guitar for no reason at campfires. Exactly. Same <laughs> energy. Totally same energy. Uh love that. That's so great. Um, but yeah, no, I just I'm so jaded against it. I'm like, I watched Black Mirror, motherfucker. I'm not nope. Nope. I don't want any of that, except it's happening already, and I'm sad. I just watched Megan last night and yeah, I'm with you. There's some things that they're releasing right now. Like that just, I, I'm like, that was a black mirror episode. That was a literally, you're literally just taking black mirror episodes and making them reality. And you should stop. I wonder if, which came first, was it the black mirror episodes or was it the, like the stuff that was being worked on? And then they, Probably the concepts in the Black Mirror was like, this is probably what could happen in the worst case scenario. Like, for example, or maybe it inspired some stuff because I did not hear about Elon's memory microchip until after Black Mirror had already done an episode on that. I was like, oh, yeah, we did. That's this is this is a horror show. Why are we making this stuff real? Yeah. I mean, nobody is afraid of AI solving like, you know, water shortages or. I don't know, like finding ways to resolve hunger in populations. Like nobody is afraid of AI doing really good things because nobody's helping AI do those things because there's no money in it. Yup. Oh man. Okay. So uh, back on track. Um, what are some current projects that you're working on? Currently, the big project I'm working on is the Valley of Green Gold, which uh, we're 13 episodes into right now, and. We put out episodes every week. I'm the guy who edits it. And so it is the project that I've got kind of the the only time I've got is for that project. And if I had more time, I'd probably spend spend more time on it. But I wish I had other projects like in in the hopper, but I don't currently like my work stuff and uh, home and family stuff. But uh, other than that, it's all Valley. Okay. well, I look forward to seeing that and more of your projects come out. Because um, I always love when more D&D content comes out. It's just better. Yeah. World is better with more content. Yeah. And we, you know, we just started our, our deal is like, um, 
it, during our first season, it was all published stuff, Descent into Avernus, right? Mm -hmm. And then for the second season, we have a relatively small but awesome group of Patreon supporters, like a lot of small creators like us do. And uh, and I just sent out, you know, a request, hey, send me NPCs, uh, locations, adventure hooks. And then I gathered all that stuff together and created the uh, the world. We built the world and all the NPCs in it and, well, those with names anyway, and uh, locations. And so that's kind of where we're at now. Like some of the hard work has been done, but now weekly it's the editing that that takes all the time. As, as most content creators, most people who are into podcasting know, editing is, that's where it all goes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It takes so much time to edit stuff, guys. Especially TTRPG podcasts. Like, something like this is going to take me about the length of us recording it to do because it's so easy. There's no SFX. There's not much. And there's not multiple people. TTRPG podcasts, because of the SFX and there being so many people, it takes forever to edit an episode. We now have three people on our team dedicated to doing it. And you sound great, by the way. Oh, thanks. Like, like uh, listening to it, I'm like, yeah, you know what? Oh, I need to get on more sound effects. I got to, <laughs> mm, man, if there was only another one of me, then I could hand that off. So, yeah, right? you, you've got it. You've got it going. It's going well. <laughs> it sounds amazing. Learn from my throw of dice days. Just, like, make right? it pretty. And then people will be happier. <laughs> mm -hmm. But it helps that like there's two other people on the team that are, well, one's at least willing to learn and the other one already kind of knows how to use the gear. So it's like, I'm not doing it by myself anymore. So it's a, lot of, it's a lot easier when we're not all ill to get it done. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Just the shenanigans, all of us ill at the same time. Yeah, we we had been through that, too. During the pandemic, like one of us would be like, yeah, I can't, I got strep throat. And then, yeah. 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 Well, I got COVID. Okay. Yeah. But I've got a sniffle. Yeah. Everybody was taking COVID tests like every three weeks, you know, because maybe one of us got it. Like, yeah, it was a lot. Oof. And was it the no nasal one or like the throat one? Uh, the nasal one. Oh, that was yeah. the worst. Yeah. I don't know how many. I don't know how many COVID tests I took, but like between all of us, like, you know, I think, uh, let's see, out of the five of us, I think three of us ended up getting COVID during the pandemic. And then uh, one of us got it afterwards, like not after, because it's still a pandemic, but it's like mm -hmm. since about 2001, 2002. Yeah. We're, we're, we're treating it like the flu now. You just yeah. get it or you don't. Yeah. Yeah. No, I don't think I've gotten it at all. Good for you, man. I'm not really sure why, though, because it's not like I've been the most safe. I I think yeah. so. I I I've people around me have gotten the flu, and I've never gotten it, um, except for maybe when my immune system was compromised after surgery. But uh, yeah. like, I think it might just be a similar bag where I'm like, I'm just a an asymptomatic carrier because there's no reason why I shouldn't have gotten it. Maybe I was just really really lucky, but it's been three years. Yeah. Like Everyone you, I talk to has had it at least once. Yeah, maybe there's something too, like maybe you just inherently don't touch your face very much or something like that. Where Oh, no, I touch it all the time. Oh, then there's got to be another explanation. ADHD stimming. I end up doing a lot of like pressure things, like massaging my temples and stuff. And Okay. Yeah, so I don't know. Maybe, maybe your immune system is hyperactive and I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm not a bitches. doctor. I have, I have an immune system. 
I'm, there's trade-offs, but I have an immune system that doesn't get COVID. I'll get it next week. Watch. Okay. <laughs> I said it. and You've now done it. You've done it. Yes. <laughs> I've jinxed it. <laughs> so uh, how did you get into DMing and GMing? My very first game was back in 1993. I was uh, going to school for radio at a tech college, two-year tech college, and a friend of mine said, hey, come on over to my place in my parents' basement. We're going to play Dungeons and Dragons. And I, I guess I had heard of it, you know, in, you know, in the very early days. I remember kids bringing the dice to school that they had to color in the numbers with the white crayon. And, uh, but they weren't charismatic kids. Like, they were the least charismatic kids at school, <laughs> which sucks because, like, they would have gotten me into D&D, like, way back in the 80s. Like, but... Instead, I was just like, you know, no, I'm good. Just over here doing other things. And then, Damn. so fast forward to 1993. I go mm -hmm. to Bill's basement. We play D&D. It lasts one session. Like one of the other players decided to take off. Like my character takes off all of his clothes and starts stabbing the guards and then murder hobo. Oh my God. Why? Oh, I remember he was naked and he crawled into a barrel and then the guards <laughs> found him and murdered us all. I think it was the allure of just being able to do whatever you wanted to do and you could do whatever you wanted to do. And then the dungeon master would have to figure out how it all played out. You know, he'd roll some dice and, and that was the first time I played. And then just maybe just a few months later, I had acquired the books and well, the core books anyway. And then I dove right in and I started DMing with another group of guys uh, and some women that who had uh, already been playing together for a long time. And I jumped right in, didn't know what I was doing, but I faked it and and it worked. And so that was that was when I fell in love with with being a game master. And, and I think from then on, there have been breaks. Uh, through most of the uh, late '90s, early 2000s, I didn't didn't play D and D a whole lot. Uh, shifted to Vampire: The Masquerade for a while, and uh, then just kind of didn't do much role playing for a bit. And then, of course, you know, about five years ago, six years ago, everything came roaring back. So, so I found Fifth Edition, and I was like, "Wow, they really did some good work on this." So that's that's how I am a current game master. I love that. That's a that, that sounds like a really wild journey actually just like shenanigans um I wish, yeah i wish i i wish that i you know like maintained it right like i wish mm -hmm. that i sought out groups of people i didn't already know um i guess maybe that's one of the things that you know for the shame of dming like what's my biggest shame well we'll, we'll get to that but uh yeah that's probably part of it there i uh I, I spent a good period of time between where I wasn't a player and or where I where I was a player and where I was a DM where I wasn't invited to like anything and I wasn't seeking it out. And I just I mean, the reason I got into DMing is because I was sick of not being invited to tables. So I was like, fuck it, I'll make my own campaign <laughs> and I'll freaking record it, too. And that's kind of how I got into both podcasting and DMing. But I mean, I, I have a similar story almost where like I would have gotten into D&D maybe in high school if. It hadn't been for the people that were doing it because I was friends with the, ner the nerdy guys in school. Yeah. And I just, it was one of those weird things where like, I was a floater. I was friends with like the, the drama kids and the nerds and the, and the uh, special ed class and like, just kind of like the outcasts of the school. Yeah. 
I kind of made it my mission to be the buffer, the person that like the popular kids bullied or took the attention off of those guys. Cause I just, I was like, fuck you. I know that yeah. I can handle it and I don't know if anybody, any of these guys can handle it. So I'd rather you bully me instead of them. So yeah. I would, I would like step in and shit. But um, there was a couple times where I came into their, their session and I was like, Oh, what are you guys doing? And they're like, Oh, we're playing. We're just playing Dungeons and Dragons. Like, oh, cool. And uh, I'd, I'd sit in and listen. And then I was like, Oh, what? Could I, could I jump, could I play? Could I, uh, maybe I could be a, I, I don't know why this dumb joke came up. It was like a hemoglobin or something. Cause we, we learned about hemoglobin <laughs> in uh science class that day or something. Uh, and it was like a blood bending goblin character. And they were like, no, <sighs> you're a girl. And I was the like, fools. I was like, what the fuck? They missed out, man. They missed out. <laughs> How do you... I'm a girl and I can't, so I can't play D and D. What the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um. So I didn't actually get to play it until I was uh doing until I was in uh working at a dinner theater as a, and so the the dinner the the the, the, the dinner theater that I worked at uh you had to dress up in character and pretend to be characters from the show that was on, and uh, so it was all improv all the time and you weren't supposed to break character. A lot of the not so great staff broke character all the time, but you weren't supposed to break character the while you were on the floor. And I was pretty a pretty big stickler for that. Yeah. And so like a few of us, we we would play D and D every other week on our days off, and just uh, that's how I got into it. That sounds like a really great group uh, of just that that type of person, the type of person who does that, like to make a buck, is also probably going to be an amazing you know improv based gamer like that that type of energy is is such is so important you know as as a dm or gm like if you've got a group that have that energy that's like gold yeah i made the mistake of playing a murder hobo my first campaign and um <laughs> well not quite like she was she had mental instability and and issues and um but uh she also had some pretty paradoxical ways of thinking. So she, uh, so first off, she she was like back before I knew about more about DID and what it was as a thing. I, I was playing a character that had it, and she, uh, on the one hand, she was a, a stark white tiefling in real life with a, and and that personality for the tiefling was pretty dormant uh, for a really long time for many years, and uh, like a sorcerer tiefling. And then when she switched, she she thought she was a drow. Um, the drow was a very aggressive personality. She was a murder hobo um, by nature, trying to like survive on the streets and and make sure that the OG personality didn't have to come back out or deal with trauma. And so, like, she the the murder hobo side of her was like, oh yeah, I'm gonna sleep with this one dude, but I'm uh, in love with somebody in the party, so I don't want anybody to go after that person either. But I'm sleeping with this dude so that it's advantageous for the party. Okay. And then the DM decided that one of the other people who had seen my character with their leader or whatever was going to flirt up the girl that my character was interested in. And I uh, I murdered them. <laughs> and that pissed off the dungeon master. The dungeon master sent the entire army after us. My party decided to tie me up. And um, I was one of the strongest characters on the team. And yeah. The only thing I could do because I couldn't get out was to 
like somersault away from the situation and everyone was kind of dying and then we never played again oh no yeah uh, that that's you know that's a vibe like and 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 I I did this uh when I was a player I played like I said Vampire the Masquerade um like in the late 90s but it would have been, been like 1998 or so and I was playing with these guys and I was playing a character very similar to that like I'm just playing my character true to themselves and uh I did some things that upset the other players or maybe their characters, but I'm feeling like maybe the players themselves were a little upset and then they murdered my character. So that yeah, that that kind of energy, man, that's that's tough to come back from. We also stopped playing because yeah. of that. Yeah, but I I mean I I as far as I remember, I that was probably the wildest thing that I did. Yeah. Um I mean I murdered things but usually it was in the name of helping the party even though yeah. i was a chaotic evil character but i was like i'm chaotic evil and i'm in love with this one character and the only reason i slept with the other dude was like in my character's mind just for like not because she was interested in him but because she thought it would secure her some favor so when the yeah. dungeon master decided to like deliberately go after the other character it pissed off my character and i just did exactly what she would want what she would do and she's gonna murder she's like no that's my person you don't you don't go after my person especially when you're so blatantly fucking rude about it yeah it was all right i mean i've learned a lot about being a character since then and being uh and being a dungeon master since then and i'm just like eh, probably probably for the best i don't think by that point anybody was really having a whole lot of fun and the best character on the team was a different player character who was a it was a kenku but it was a duck instead of a raven <laughs> And his name was Quack, and he was learning. He's like twelve year old boy, and there was a whole conversation when we first met Quack of them uh, arguing with the big bad guy, or not the big bad guy, but one of the bad guys, and just repeating what they said back at them. And the only words from that conversation was "corkscrew penis," uh, "it's lit," and "you're ugly." Uh, um. So so this poor little like. Kenku duck was just repeating what they said back at them and it was pissing off the the bad guys so bad and we're just pissing ourselves laughing because it's like you're ugly <laughs> it's lit corkscrew penis and then the freaking guy is just like i don't know what to do why do you keep talking you're ugly <laughs> so funny Kenku terrify me for that reason like not only do i like I'm fine, I can create my own dialogue, but if if I'm forced to have to recreate dialogue, oh my god, then my like my logical brain just spasms and can't handle it. Oh man, um, so I have a NPC Kenku from Throne of Dice, and my solution to that was they've lived longer than the campaign has been around, so they have words, they have conversational words that they can mimic from other okay. people's voices, so. It's like garbled cawing almost, but they still can make sounds because oh. they've been in conversations with characters outside of the characters with the party since it's not like they're wild people. That yeah. was my workaround for it. Okay. Yeah. The Kenkus that I've had as NPCs have all had very limited, like they've always had somebody with them who can speak to the party. <laughs> they've <laughs> never been just alone. 
Uh, I just it frightens me too much to have to like recreate things that I've said before or thing or make them believe that they're things that have been said before. Fair. I think my advice to people that play Kenkus, they exist before the party and they will exist after the party as long as the party doesn't find them a reason to die. Um, <sighs> so the best way probably to play a Kenku if they've been a part of main society is have have them like a squawky voice, like kind of like how I used for uh, reiterating how Quack talks. And then look for moments where the players have said something really funny or something goofy and then bring that back through the Kenku's voice because that would be a great way to pull the the uh, that aspect of the Kenku without having to like be like oh I don't know words until you guys speak but I have to keep track of every single word you guys say otherwise I don't have it yeah and and what a great tool for keeping engagement too like because you're gonna have to keep notes on that specifically like yeah that would be that would be the way to go yeah, and if you if you're doing podcasting and you do that, you can take the snippet that you wrote down and kept and then used later and then just take that vocal track, keep yeah. it to the side and whenever you need to plop it in in post, you can just put it in. Mm, that is brilliant. I like that a lot. Yeah. Shenanigans. Well, uh <laughs> we've been we've been on this call for an hour and haven't even gotten to the shame's portion. So let's get into the shame's portion. Of it. All right. I feel shame. <laughs> I feel shame too. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, so my biggest shame as, as just like as an enthusiast of, of D and D and TTRPGs, my biggest shame is that I sold all my second edition D and D source books. Oh no. <laughs> I don't remember why exactly. It could have been that I wanted to buy third edition, which makes it even worse somehow. But anyway, yeah. Physical media is so awesome and since then i've kept everything i don't i don't get rid of anything so uh and i think part of that part of my shame is because i'm like i'm shame all the way down basically <laughs> i i'm i don't have what's the word like i don't have that reverence and understanding and deep knowledge of the history of D. I don't have uh, like an encyclopedic recall of things within it. And even though that's true, like Dungeons and Dragons is the system that I know the best by mm -hmm. leaps and bounds. Like second edition Vampire and D&D &D are the two. And then beyond that, like that's one of my biggest shames too, that I just don't try other systems. And it's mostly because I don't believe that I've got the bandwidth to take on a new system, especially when I'm operating on such a frequent basis in the 5e system. And if I move to a different system or I try to learn a new system, it's going to mess with the, the knowledge that's at the surface of my GMing pond, like the, the water of my GMing pond. <laughs> I, if I put like something new into it, like it'll befoul it somehow. So you already gave us your biggest shame. Let's see if we can root some other ones. Do you have your D20 ready? Sure. I do. Let me go here and do this. I'm rolling digital dice. My apologies. Oh, what a lie. Nine. Nine. 
What a medium answer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Have you ever worked with players to mess with the others? Why? What happened? And did it work? Ooh. Uh, not currently and not in the previous game. But mm -hmm. I know we had, you know, stuff like that, you know, long time ago in, in previous games where, yeah, I would want to hide some information that one of the players, well, you know what? I'm going to back right up and say yes and no. Like currently in our campaign, there are some things that a player and their character will do or say like outside of the knowledge of the other party members mm -hmm. and the other players. So like we will have them record with me just solo and then they will find a thing and it's up to them if they want to tell the rest of the players and the, you know, the party members, the characters, uh, of course, we're also making a podcast and the other people will probably just listen to it and find out those secrets. But, uh, yeah. you know, it's up to them to like separate that, separate what you know from what your character knows. But I think they'll do a fine job. But to mess with the other characters or the other players, probably no. I don't know. I just I don't know how I would do that since we, we've known each other for so long. I, I wouldn't want to hurt anybody's feelings. Fair. Um, I, uh, my, my biggest plot device is trauma. So, um, when I play <laughs> with people, I, I find their backstories and find a way to use it to, to really sew them into the plot. And I, I often find myself scheming with players, um, when I DM on like what to do with certain plot points and certain pieces of their backstory that might be not open to the rest of the party um that yeah. might have an impact on how the party sees them as a person yeah yeah we had the very similar thing happen with uh with one of the characters where a uh, very traumatic experience happened to them and they had to carry their trauma with them uh literally in a coffin to oh deliver to deliver their partner's body to their partner's parents oh so, no yeah oh yeah That's so and, rough. and as a wild magic sorcerer uh, when this character experiences depth of emotion, like anger and fear and sorrow and surprise and shock, when that happens, that is the thing that can trigger her wild magic surges. Oof. So that sort of like it's informed by trauma. And we we try really hard to like from a very human and and sensible standpoint to to approach that not as a plot device as much as this is something that all human beings will experience at some point or another. Mm -hmm. And we're not using it as like a jumping off point. We're using it as this thing happened. And now we're, you know, we're, we have to work our way through it. We have to feel our feelings, you know, so yeah. that's, that's it. It works really well that way. Um, but also one of our other characters, like, first episode is both his parents died like oh, gotta no. just get right that get get right in there on his third birthday like his mother so he's batman uh <laughs> he is a wombat folk um, <laughs> so he's, he's, wombat man yeah he's wombat man <laughs> let's get another roll on the board all right i have rolled a 14 Man, 9 and 14 are just so popular this season. I don't know what it is. 
Have you ever struggled with railroading players? Oh, unfortunately, yes. Oh, no. I don't, I still don't know if I railroad too much or not enough. Uh, it's, it's difficult because you can show them things. You can provide clues and hints. And if you need them to go through to a different, you know, they, you need them to go through the castle to speak to the janitor or whatever the thing is, you will find inevitably that no matter how many clues and hints you give, like if you need that to happen, they will disregard those clues and those hints. But, you know, keeping, I guess, keeping an open world vibe also means that you have to be comfortable if things go off the rails. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of where we're at now, where, you know, you guys go ahead and do whatever you're going to do. The world is going to keep turning regardless of whether or not you go through that door. Fair. I, uh, I think one of the ways that I've kind of gotten around that when I've DM'd is that when I play permanent party NPCs, mm -hmm. it, it feels like it... The suggestions are coming from another player rather than the DM. So <laughs> like, I, I kind of get away with some of the, the like railroading that needs to happen for the story by having the okay. NPCs have input. But I don't, I don't make their input as heavy. I still try to make it as though I'm playing an actual player character and letting them kind of be NPCs that would be their own people. But if in moments where it's been like, ah, I really need the characters to to think about some stuff and, and and be able to bounce their ideas off of other characters rather than mm -hmm. like meta talking with the dm and then yeah it, it encouraged role play a lot more and it also allowed them to have some structure without it feeling like i was pulling all the strings even though i was <laughs> yeah yeah there's there's i think there's stuff that that you can do as a as a dm like that where you know you can have them find things instead you know have the npc say have a, just a community you know just a conversation and you'll come up with those things and that can you know sometimes you forget and sometimes you just get a little too heavy-handed at least i do fair fair like that kenko i was talking about earlier was one of those uh permanent npcs uh, there were actually two in that campaign but um one of them like they were they were kind of a package deal and it was completely by accident that they ended up being loved by the really liked by the party and, and just yeah. ended up staying but yeah they they made it really easy to make sure that i didn't seem like i was railroading as hard as i was nice nice i will keep that in mind <laughs> and the goofier you make the character the less yeah. the less obvious it is always always go goofier than you think you should goofy with a stupid name <laughs> yes I came up with so many stupid names for the campaign we're in the middle of for for my dungeon master. Oh, um, on on a whim, my character he wasn't he didn't have a name for a, an NPC, and I was like, you know what? If you're not gonna tell me your name, I'm just gonna call you Jerry Thick Thighs. <laughs> <laughs> and then he's Jerry Thick Thighs or Thicky, and it's just it's a thing now. Uh, I would I would end up having to improvise names in a home game that I that I ran recently. I would have to improvise names because they were constantly just running up to people they saw on the street and <laughs> talking to them. I'm like, uh, I ended up having like uh, five different dwarves all with the same first name. Like, oh, my name is Oleg. Of course it is, because that's what came <laughs> out of my mouth. <laughs> every every dwarf is named Oleg, and that's it. Yeah. Or O arm. Exactly. <laughs> it's like, again with the Oleg. Oh, man. It, that reminds me of, I don't know if you've listened to the Adventure Zone, but Frick, they started uh, a Blades in the Dark campaign. 
Okay. And the the eldest brother of the McElroys, Justin, he uh he swore he was never going to do a campaign, but he did a he did he's running this one. And mm-hmm. they got to a point where he's like, I have nothing left to give. They're like, oh, but I want to talk to this. I want to talk to this NPC. And he's like, what? And they're like, what's what's the NPC's name? Justin. Just assume that everybody who is a bland, n- nothing character's name is Justin. Oh, so you're in the cafe? No, no. It's just some dude named Justin. <laughs> like, oh, okay. So he was just like, I don't know. That's the first name that came to mind. And now it's just everybody behind a desk is named Justin. It makes sense. I mean, that is kind of a Justin thing. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> okay, uh, let's get one more Shames question, and then we'll move on to successes and advice. All right. You want me to roll? Is that my roll? Yeah. For this? All right. I have a 20. A 20. Um, is there a PC build type that you hate to build, like GM for? Oh, I would say yes. Uh, paladins. Me too. Yeah. Paladins are so boring. There's they're, they're they're well they're boring and then like but I played a paladin so I get it from the other side of the table like yeah. all of the divine smites and the abilities and then I was a polearm master with mobility and so all of those things were great for me as a player but for my gm it was too much like too much man how many different things are you doing in this turn right oh yeah yeah i guess i i think because i i I focus so much on story i'm just like lawful good is probably especially when with a class that is specifically you can really only be lawful good or lawful evil I just find it so hard to to be interested in them as an audience member, let alone as a dungeon master. And I'm just like, ah. Yeah, they almost. I guess in that in that setting, it would almost become like they are supporting cast for the hijinks of the more extreme and perhaps more entertaining characters. Yeah. But yeah, like when I play rules heavier, then Paladin is definitely one of the least favorite and then if i'm playing narrative heavy and rules light and story driven then i think a character that is quiet and demure and wants to have dialogue with like all of the npcs uh but doesn't really move the action forward i I think that that is also difficult i think one of the most entertaining ways you could probably play a paladin is really really stupid yes absolutely Dumb as a bag of hammers. Gotta do it. They're not chaotic necessarily. They're lawful, at least they think they are. They're just stupid. They're very, very dumb. So they're like, it's not a matter of being chaotic. It's that they're just stupid. (laughs) And that's, I think, the way that you could play a paladin that's lawful good, that's really, really fun and could give them some main character energy. But, uh, um, I mean, high intelligent paladins, they kind of get railroaded into being quiet and strong. Mm-hmm. and and very uh they don't want to break the rules yeah yeah you break your oath you're kind of screwed yeah but if you're stupid it's not your fault <laughs> <laughs> exactly you complete ignorance when you break an oath <laughs> you broke an oath no i broke i broke some bread i don't know what you're talking about but you broke bread with a demon um well search of the greater evil uh-huh. but it wasn't the oath i didn't break an oath yeah <laughs> looking like a paladin constantly looking for loopholes might be entertaining too. Yeah. 
their fucking god is so pissed because they're just looking for loopholes the entire time. <laughs> Technically, you just said I had to do X, Y, and Z, and I did X, Y, and Z. Yeah, but you also burned down a village. You didn't say not to, though. Yeah. You didn't tell me not to. Ooh, a cowardly paladin would be fun. Oh, that would be fun. <laughs> oh, man, now we're finding ways to make it not boring for us. <laughs> yes, that's what this is all about. Yes, um, a campaign that is just paladins, and they're all varying degrees of intelligent and chaotic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they all take. It's basically Monty Python, the Holy Grail, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, that's so great. Okay, well, let's move on to successes and advice. Okay. Uh, let's get you rolling on some new die. I got a lucky 13. Lucky 13. Uh, what is the most memorable conclusion to a campaign that you can remember? My very first one, my very first campaign, you know, it was, I was still figuring stuff out, but we played every week and for like a, an entire school year, uh, I was like, I was in college ish and, uh, we finished up. And as everyone is coming together to fight the big bad guy at the end, like all of the old NPCs, all of their favorite, like it was the greatest hits of NPCs just coming into the room and blasting off spells and like everybody, everybody that they had spoken with prior, they all came back and helped win the, the battle in the end. That was my most memorable, I think. Oh man, that just, that hit such a fun nerve for me because, spoiler alert to anybody who listens and Don't worry, I'm not gonna ruin for you guys. Man, it's just, it's so vindicating. Yeah. Yeah, maybe it's a trope, but, you know, sort of like, you know, Lord of the Rings, the, you know, oh, Gandalf is, you know, giving everybody high fives or whatever. <laughs> you know, that that vibe of like, Oh, we remember that guy. Remember that old wizard that helped us out in that? Yeah. Oh, look, the, the dwarves, the drunk ones that were on that ship. They, they're they here. Yay. The one drunk from the puddle that one time. Yeah. <laughs> Even he doesn't know that he's here, but he's here. Oh, that a great yeah. time. Oh, you got hit by magic missile. <laughs> I'm not having a great time anymore. Here's to murdering NPCs that never <laughs> mattered anyway. I love it. I love it. NPCs that only existed on this podcast for a brief moment and not in an actual campaign. Exactly. We're very sorry to announce the death of the person we just made up. <laughs> drunk, old drunk Tommy was a, he was he was the best of all of us. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah. Uh, let's get another roll going. It is a four. A four. Oh, I haven't had a whole lot of those this season so far. How has being a GM or DM helped you within your storytelling ability? It has helped me consider the elements that are the most memorable in a story. What would you say those are? Well, whatever elements are going to stand out, uh, whichever elements the players are going to remember, I would say it's helped me kind of key in on those. If I need the players to remember the story, I have to give them compelling, you know, bullet points, basically. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, if you give them too much stuff, then it's just too much. I'll never remember all of it. And if you give them just like, like three NPCs per session, like totally, 
Yeah, that's way too, almost too many. You know, you don't want to overload them. So I think being being a, a a dungeon master or a game master has helped me remember that sometimes you know it's in your head, but you're asking your players to buy into this idea that you've had for months. Yeah, and so you have to go small. Yeah, I think that's that's a really good point. Yeah, I think um learning about what the most important moments are always going to be the best for making memorable campaigns. And even if you get into like novel writing or something like that, learning that from doing GMing, you kind of get better at doing it when you write actual novels too, because you'll have these moments of clarity where, oh, this is going to be really impactful, if not for just the characters, then also for the audience. Right. Yeah. You get that training of like affecting characters in D&D, and it, it, and how doing that also affects the audience, and then you can start doing that with other mediums of storytelling as well. Right. There's a you know the the book uh, Save the Cat is like for as far as like screenwriting or novel writing or storytelling like that that is that's a great resource uh, for people mm -hmm. who are going to get into DMing. And I've seen it I've seen it referenced a million times. You know when people talk about what books should I be reading? Save the Cat. Yeah, absolutely. I. Uh... I've heard of it, I think, a while ago. Like, it, it sounds familiar. Yeah, they've got, I think they've got multiple, multiple versions of it. Like, there's one for screenwriting, one for novels. But yeah, it's, uh, it's been out for a, a, it's been out for a minute. Fair, fair. I uh, bypassed that and decided to spend $30,000 on a degree in English. So that was dumb. Oh. I could have just well, read the book. <laughs> uh, maybe, maybe. <laughs> And now I do Dungeons and Dragons podcasts. Hello, this is what an English major does after they're done. Yeah, you're putting it to the best use. We, I mean, we have a psychology <laughs> major uh, who plays D and D with us, so that's that's working. Ah, uh, psychology is so fun. Ah, uh, I love so so. My my degree was actually a double major in English and philosophy, but I also took a few courses in business and psychology. And I just, I love psychoanalyzing characters and, and players and stuff and just like anticipating their thing and just cutting them off at the pass. I'm so grateful he doesn't do that. I, I don't, I don't know that he uses his psychology degree a whole lot. Uh, he's an improv teacher and an improv performer. He owns an improv company. So I suppose he uses that a ton, like in improv and in, mm -hmm. in scenes, just sort of inherently to, to understand the complexity of human nature. Fair. I, uh, I don't do it super hard. Like I, I'll put things in their path that I know that, that would interest them or at least their characters Yeah. and anticipate it. And it usually works in my favor because I'm like, uh, I know this will get you down the part of the story I want you to. If not, there are other things that you have that you can do and I'll eventually get back to the story. But I think this will get you on the path I want you down first. Yeah. And that's kind of how I use it. You have to use the breadcrumbs that you know will attract them. Yes. Oh, look, this thing that's very important to you and your backstory. Hello. On a silver platter. <laughs> yeah, that's not that's not railroading, is it? No, it's just sneaky. Yes. Okay, uh, let's get one more uh, question. I got a 10. A 10. What is your favorite character build when you get to play? My favorite character build when I get to play, I'm playing one right now. It's a rogue and he's a swashbuckler rogue, a rabbit folk. I like to play, uh, I, do, I do not care to play frontline smashers, uh, fighters and rangers. I don't have a ton of interest in uh, having played druids. You know, it doesn't really interest me much anymore, mm -hmm. but I like to 
be vulnerable. I like to have a lot of physical vulnerability and I don't want to be anywhere near the fray in combat. As far as like role playing goes, if I'm going like a rules light or narrative heavy, then I want to have a character with very limited backstory because mm -hmm. then I don't have to dwell on it and I don't have to think about it. I can live in the moment, which is sort of like how I want to live, like just as a person. I don't want to have to have a lot of, you know, th things that I have to seek or, or I don't want to have a quest to be completed on be behalf of my, you know, my family name. And I'm, I just I'd rather come from a place where, yeah, it's just I don't know, man, lightning struck a tree and burned down my whole village and I'm the only one left. So that's that's my backstory. <laughs> Goof. Oh, man. I think Marcus and Schlafnick's have such an intricate backstory that it's kind of hard not to because we're like, okay, so we have these characters that know each other and we kind of have to be in tandem about that. Um, yeah. Especially since we have like that psychic link and yeah, and also very complicated emotions. But uh, yeah, and as for heavy hitters, it's funny because he's a, he's a rogue bard, but accidentally very OP as we get oh. further down the campaign. Like, okay, I'm not gonna ruin anything, but like, yeah, I'm 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 hitting things harder than everybody else at some point, and I'm like, what the f when did this happen? How am I suddenly the most <laughs> OP player on the team? Not typically a thing for bards, as I recall. No, but the, the combination of Arcane Trickster to ro or to Bard was, like, magical. But I think it might also yeah. be because I, um, what I kind of did, because the multi-classing table for Rogue was kind of bullshit. Yeah. I find it very bullshit that you get, like, half your thing rounded down or whatever for spell slots. I was like, I'm just going to follow the multi-classing table and then yeah. for, for the spell slots, and then I'll just take the spells known from each of my things and plug plug them in because that i mean it, i it, i find it hard to, to say n that that's unfair when you kind of look at wizards that can just do any spell as long as it's prepared yeah i'm like eh, i'd rather just make it easy on myself here are the here's the multi-classing table that says how many spell slots i get and then just taking what spells known for my love what level i have yeah and then just go from there Sometimes you have to, sometimes you have to tweak those things. Yeah, it's just, it's easier than the weird math that they have for it. Oh, man. Yeah, so, like second edition. I remember going back to like second edition and Thacko. Talk about weird math. Like, no, I don't want to have to figure all that out. Like, and then if you multi-classed, you, as I remember, you, you, you know, you, the experience points you had to earn increased. So that, like, you could be a multi-class, you could be a thief wizard, but uh, everybody else is going to be level five and you're going to be level three eventually. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's no fun. Tweak those rules. Absolutely. Because, like, I, frick, I, didn't, I don't want to have to have a master's in freaking algebra to do a freaking <laughs> game. <laughs> yes. Agreed. Hard to agree. Because I can't remember how many questions we've done in this. I'm going to go one more and then we'll, we'll wrap okay. it up. I got an 18. Do you prefer homebrew, playtest, official canon stuff, or all of the above? And how do you suggest new game masters uh, approach adding available content to campaigns? Okay, multiple, multiple answers, multiple. Okay, so I think to to learn a system, or to at least get a, a game going with people who haven't played much, I think you're better off with something that is published, something that's already out there, official canon stuff, right? Mm -hmm. Because maybe the kinks have already been worked out of it. 
And hopefully, and we know that is not always the case. Yes, but sometimes you can be an overachiever and just homebrew the whole thing like Caleb did. Yes, yes. <laughs> when you're comfortable, if you're comfortable with it and you've got a group group that's comfortable, homebrew is the way to go, man. Because oh, yeah. then you don't have to try to remember all the canon shit. You can just homebrew the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And then your players don't have to know, like, that's like the, one of the best things about homebrew is tweak your monsters so that you're the players who, yes, they aren't supposed to know what, like their characters aren't supposed to know what the player knows, but sometimes they, they will, and it'll be impossible for them to avoid that. And so tweak your monsters, use homebrew, especially if you've got players who are, you know, who are you know seasoned, you've already played. Mm-hmm. Uh, something that's published also you don't have to wait on your monsters for higher levels just like tweak them for the level that your players are at yes if it makes store if it makes sense for the story tweak your monster yes yeah you know i, I that's an interesting point I, I remember seeing an article or an opinion piece something about how leveling in something like D doesn't really get you anywhere it just kind of kicks the can down the road so like Oh yeah, you're going to level and you know, now you're level six. Well, are you ever going to run into three goblins again? Like why not? And if you did run into three goblins, how come they're not level six? Like that, that whole uh, idea of every time you level, you just end up having to fight tougher stuff. So it never Mm -hmm. really, you never really get to be a superhero. You'll always have monsters and enemies that are always at your level. And I get that. Like, I also like to see my players. Like really just destroy a a bunch of lower level stuff just to give them that energy. Yeah. Or really make them struggle for it with something kind of hard. Oh yeah. Throw them, throw them something that will absolutely destroy them. And if it's homebrew, they won't know it. They won't see it coming because, you know, you're not going to throw a mind flayer, you know, a bunch of level threes, but you could throw uh, Hey, he's this guy. He's got a squid head. Hey, look at this funny guy with a funny voice. This is a squid head guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Same thing. Sounds like a great day for calamari. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Because, uh, so I, uh, back in the Throne of Dice days, we did a one shot for Christmas. After a long explanation about what happened during Merry Christmas, we had the following discussion. Hey, that's role playing in a nutshell. It's the players that constantly ruin and everything I had planned. Yeah, it's like basically you make this nice, perfect little sandbox cast sandcastle, and you invite yep. toddlers. Yeah, yep. Oh, big schemes, man. Oh, I had all these plans worked out, and then uh, yeah, then they killed the guy, the ba- the end guy, the lich. Right, it killed him <laughs> before he could do the thing. <sighs> yeah, story as old as time. <laughs> Is there a moment that you really had that they did that to you? Uh, yeah, yeah. I had a, a homebrew campaign that I was I had run for I think close to six years, and oh. yeah, they you know we only met about once every other week, you know, at times, especially during the pandemic when we were able to switch over to uh, remote on Roll Twenty. We picked up the pace a little bit, but um, the end of that campaign happened in November, and uh, at the end of it. Uh, the plan was that this, this lich was going to, uh, try to summon the, uh, ancient blue dragon that had given the sorcerer player their powers. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, and they killed the lich before he could do it. So like <laughs> there was a big, there was a big like oh he's going to be a Draco lich. It's going to be amazing. And then oh oh okay because I forgot how powerful my players were, and uh, and they had some synergy. And then like oh yeah, I gave them like an exploding arrow back uh, two years ago, and they happened to look at their inventory and realize that. So yeah, that's that happens. That sounds wild, and I I. It's it's so fun when that happens, but it's so like disappointing sometimes too. Because when they have those cool things, you're like, shit. When we, I think we've all had those. We've all had those conversations too after the end of a thing where you're like, oh man, I got to tell you guys what was going to happen if you didn't do that. Like we've all had those conversations, and they're there fun. Was, they're like the best. There was one moment I avoided some really dire shenanigans i think the one really bad moment in throwing a dice was um so we were in a we were in a town that was just like uh necromancy filled and the um uh there were like dead bodies everywhere blah 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 they come across this orphanage and it was really important in the backstory of jackie's character fluffles um because he had gone through and he destroyed all the orphanages and like saved the orphans because the orphanages in the in that continent were fronts for slavery quite often rather than actual orphanages. So like uh he had saved a bunch of them and they come up to this orphanage in this town and um Fluffles is having a moment about it and the other characters are like so are you okay what's going on and he's like and he tells the story of what happened and how like um I think he talked about how like the the girl that was like a daughter to him uh, he rescued from an orphanage and stuff like that. Well, mm-hmm. my sister's character, Odd Bell, goes, you know what we should do? We should just burn it to the ground. <laughs> well, there were survivors in it um, okay. hiding from the like weird magic from the town. Uh, they were hiding in the attic and in the basement. And yeah. <laughs> no one knew about it. And I forgot to mute myself when I went, oh, no. <laughs> and then the, everybody was like, Oh shit! I think the I think God's voice is telling me maybe we shouldn't do that. I think maybe we messed up. Yeah, just it's like uh, yeah. Um, well, maybe maybe you shouldn't. I don't know. Maybe don't do that. Or do it, or just do it and find out, right? And then afterwards, springing it on them. <laughs> yeah, like I didn't say what was happening to them. They just kind of like heard that and went, "Oh, oops, oops, maybe not." Um, and I was like. Oh shit! I have to think of something, and then I was like, "You hear child's laughter from inside," and they're like, "Um, what?" And then it, Oddbell's freaking out, and everybody else is like, "Ooh, ghosties!" And she's like, "This is how everybody dies. This is how you die. You just die after going after people, and and fucking, it's haunted. And this is, <laughs> oh, this is how murders happen." <laughs> And I'm like, my, all my friends are gonna die and she's having a freaking panic attack everybody else is like ooh child ghosts <laughs> the like, callousness of those people amazing. I, they're just like oh like me little ghost friends and just oddbells happen so funny uh oddbell was my favorite don't tell jackie she'll hear this and be like what the hell and i'll be like sorry <laughs> but she was so funny Anyways, thank you so much for coming on to the show and having an ADHD tangent for an hour and a half. I am I am agreeable to that, Keisha. Thank you so much. 
Of course. Well, uh, if, if you're interested, we'd love to have you again. And uh, would you mind telling us about your socials again? Let us know how to find you, any upcoming projects that you're really excited about, just to reiterate to the audience. Yes, uh, you can find out about the Rated RPG Podcast at RatedRPGPodcast.com. We're right now in the uh, early stages. Episode 13 is coming out on Monday of the Valley of Green Gold, a homebrew campaign running 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons. Rules light, story-driven. It's fun. We have a wombat folk and a pro wrestler and a construct that uh, is made partly of mushrooms. It's pretty awesome. And so uh, you can find us at our website, ratedrpgpodcast.com. Awesome. And where can they listen to you? Everywhere podcasts are sold. Nice. <laughs> Which I don't know. They don't sell them. I mean, we don't sell ours. I'm sure some people sell them, but we don't. <laughs> they sell them on the black market. You have to go find them there. The black. Yeah. The good market. ones. If you want yeah. your podcast to be really good, you have to pay for them. But yeah, yeah we, who who among us doesn't have a Patreon, right? Like that's how they're made. Yeah, I mean, guys, guys. Fun fact, fun fact. Um, podcasts take a really long time to edit. I don't know if we talked about this already, but it's so long. Oh my god, it's a you get a nickel an hour for editing your podcast. Everyone knows that. Yeah, yeah, not even. Sometimes you're losing money. Actually, most of the time you're losing money. Between all the all money the time, that you have to pay all for time. all of the shenanigans. And then you're like, oh my gosh, when did I get gray hair? My family doesn't know my name anymore. What? <laughs> yeah, between the editing, like between editing time, the uh the subscription for your editing software, the subscription for hosting your podcast, the subscription for this, that, and the other thing for your website. Like mm -hmm. guys, guys, we're losing money. Preach. <laughs> so go support your favorite podcast. Yes. And then go support your second favorite podcast. And maybe the third, fourth, and fifth, too, because they're also struggling a little bit. Yeah. Um <laughs> But if you can't afford to help, even though our Patreon's only like one or two two coffees a month, we know how important your coffee is. You can like, follow, share, subscribe, and re or review the show, comment on stuff. Just getting those kind of interactions helps a lot with algorithms. Gets us in front of people who might be able to afford a coffee or two, and helps other podcasts get seen too. So, go support Rated RPG. Support Confessions of a of a game master and also maybe dice decided as well maybe yes. maybe go look at that one the shenanigans are fun and the people are i, I want to say real but they're honestly so made up <laughs> <laughs> but really the world isn't the world all just a little bit made up these days yeah we're all in a simulation it's fine <laughs> <laughs> If you too would like to be considered as a guest for this show, please email us at entertainment at realscrollsfilmco.org or message us privately on the Real Scrolls slash Dice Decided Twitter. All of the uh, links for today, including stuff for Rated RPG as well as us, can be found in the description. And uh, check us out on YouTube, Patreon. And uh, we'll see you guys in the next episode. Bye. Huzzah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's great. That's fucking I great. I tried to like add a final. Hi everyone.
everyone, and thank you so much for listening to this episode of Confessions of a Game Master. I have some announcements to share about the Real Scrolls shows that have occurred since recording season one of Confessions last spring. The first announcement is that Dice Decideth went on an editing hiatus and will return at a later date. Caleb realized that the story was far more complex and wanted to consolidate all of the episodes into a more streamlined way, so you'll be seeing some of the villains campaign and the legends campaign and all of the side stuff mixed together in more of a TV episode style splicing. So that's going to take some time and we will let you know when it's ready to return in a better state than it was when we first released episodes. In the absence of Dice Decideth, we have decided to bring back Throne of Dice. It has had a soft relaunch to much success with the inclusion of a mini series called Battle Bandits. Done in the Sexy Battle Wizards one-page RPG by Grant Howitt. Now, Battle Bandits is a one-shot that I did with Morgan from Mind Played Mondays, Dan the GM from What the Dice, and Ken the Lazy Ninja Dude on Twitch. And we had a blast, and it's proving to go on longer than I anticipated as I'm editing things down to be about three episodes per session that I did with the boys. So you probably won't see new Curse of Catalotica content until maybe December or the new year. I'll keep Keep you all updated about that. It's a blessing in disguise though because the remastering is taking longer than anticipated, so it'll give me some extra time to work on the remaster. Speaking of time for that remaster of all of our old episodes, I will be moving Confessions to a bi-weekly schedule alternating between Throne of Dice releases because I need the time to work on Throne of Dice as well as other big projects that are happening and Patreon level content that's happening and just so many things that are in the works as well as working my day job. So just to give myself some more time, I'm moving Confessions to a bi-weekly schedule until Throne of Dice is fully remastered. Speaking of Patreon, we have consolidated our efforts by moving all upcoming Patreon content to the old Throne of Dice Patreon, where we have patrons already helping us out and enjoying exclusive content like After Hours, Behind the Scenes, full Bandit episodes, because Battle Bandits has about 20 to 30 minutes of great shenanigans and content missing from these public releases. Bloopers will be coming up, one-shots, and there will also be exclusive bonus content from Confessions that you'll be able to find there as well. Patrons also get to have exclusive say on some naming stuff. They they get to pitch ideas, they get to talk to us one-on-one -on -one about different things, they get exclusive level access to certain Discord features, and so many other great things. So go on over and check that out, and we look forward to having your help because, as I said in the actual Confessions episode, we are giving you so much content and it does take a lot of effort and it would really help us out so that we can make more amazing content for you guys if you paid just the amount of a coffee or two per month in a subscription. That would be lovely. One final thing I do need to tell you about is that we have moved off of Twitter. There are rumors going around that Twitter has decided to go into being a paid situation, and we can't afford that, nor do we want to keep promoting it. So we have moved off of Twitter and will be exclusively working through Instagram, threads, and Facebook for the moment. And eventually we will relaunch a YouTube channel when we have a better system set up for editing and the time to do that. So we are no longer on Twitter, but you can find us 
through Real Scrolls or Throne of Dice on Instagram, Threads, or Facebook. And we look forward to seeing you there. Anyways, thank you so much for listening, and we look forward to sharing so much more amazing content for you guys. Bye!